everyone, and welcome back to the American Israelite Podcast, the Let There Be Light Podcast. And I am one of your co-hosts, Netanel Ted Deutsch, and I am here with my orange, orange, I'm and black, my, I'm wearing the orange, orange and, and black, black attired uh, co-host. For who, the I, I, as I said, that's probably the only orange shirt you own. Like I have like thousands of orange and Bengals <laughs> items. She has one shirt. I have one orange shirt that I happen to find, and uh, <laughs> I bought it at my sister Susie's store. So <laughs> I am Julie Babs Bernson Brook oh, from Highland Park, Illinois. And as everyone knows now, I am the great, 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 great granddaughter of Rabbi Nachum of Breslov. <laughs> and I actually also just found out doing some of this research, yeah, doing some of this research that my grand, great-grandparents, Morris and Kate Mines, were actually Morris and Kate Pintel when they arrived in the United States, and they changed their name to P- Mines. Pintel? Pintel. P-I-N-T-E-L. Pintel. Yeah, okay. so trying to find the origins of why they changed their name, but they did change their name mm. legally. It was on all the documents that I found, and I sent that forward to some other families. So this has been a a little bit fun of an adventure to find out where I came well, from. Well, you have to introduce our, give her, I, get a little background. That was and my lead, our, and that was my in segue. Our, in our segue to our special guest. As usual, today. you interrupted me before I got to my segue. My segue so is sorry. that we have someone with a very special accent joining us here today in the studio. Please introduce yourself, guest. Well, uh, thank you for having me, Richard Berman. Um, funny enough, this is a big, a big uh, week for me, whereby I'm celebrating 40 years here in the United States this week. So you came here when you were? 18. 18. All right. And what brought you to the roaring yeah, yeah. city of Cincinnati, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ohio? Great question. So I was uh, in South Africa when you, uh, every male at the time of age 18 had to go into the army. Yeah. I was fortunate. I had a green card from an early age coupled with the fact that I got an exemption from going into the army. Uh-huh. So then next day after the exemption, I land up going to school first in Providence and then to American University in D.C. Uh-huh. And while I was at school, my folks moved to Cincinnati. This was not the first uh-huh. choice for me to move here. <laughs> my dad was in the dentist chair in Johannesburg. The dentist said, listen, i got a client who's got a business for sale in Cincinnati. Are you interested? Uh-huh. That's how they landed up in Cincinnati. Uh-huh. What was okay. the business? It's a tool and dye company. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. And um, there's so many tie-ins right. of, of, with them being here. But I, uh, I arrived in Cincinnati 35 years ago, but in the U.S. 40. Okay. So, all right. So, the, he was in a dentist chair. The dentist had some connection to Cincinnati. Had a client who had this okay. business for okay. sale in Cincinnati. So that's how my folks moved to Cincinnati. That, yeah, Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Side note, years right. later they came back. It, it, they sold the business and my dad my folks moved on to Toronto, to mm. Chicago, etc. Mm. Came back full circle, worked for Milt Schloss. Okay. Milt Schloss ran Cons Meats. Right, right. And my dad in South Africa was in the food service and the spice business. Mm. Well, this was the in-house spice plant or cons. So the irony of it is, here my dad was working with Milt, Jim Friedman's stepfather. Right. And I, on the other hand, was working with side by side with Jim. Wow. So quite a unique tie-in. That's right, very, right, now, do you right. have siblings that live here in Cincinnati? I, uh, no. Okay. Never had, never had siblings living here. My folks were here. I have a sister who now lives in 
uh, Israel. She was for 25 years. and She's a Torontonian. And she and her husband uh, moved to, uh, made Aliyah. They were going backwards and forwards for many years. Um, And I have another sister in Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Now we're in Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that was coming. Right near Lincoln Park. Okay. In in the loop, in the loop. In the loop. Okay, very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. And you're married to Sarah and you have two children. We have two, two, uh, 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 Rachel who's 26 and Adam who's 23. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, we're so glad to have you. You really enhance our, our audio yes, with your wonderful does, yeah. accent. Thank you. And on our front cover He's today. He's got a lot of stories, too. Yeah, he does. I can't wait to get into some of these good <laughs> stories. So on our front cover, we're talking about Father and Son Shabbos. Now, I, I have to say a little quip here that I think this article separates the men from the boys because you have to know almost an entirely different language to get through it. You have to know the Yiddish and the right. Yiddish kite right. words to get through it. And some of them I actually looked up in a, okay. uh, my, you know, my Wikipedia. That's good. That's good. Well, this was sent in by Rabbi Gershon Avtvon who was a regular columnist for us. And I thought this was really a top story to be more community, you know, that we should be more community, the paper should be more community, we should be more inclusive. And uh, it was really, uh, there was like almost, I think, was it 60 people came in for it? Yeah, they had a lot of people, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, they stayed at different people's houses, and it sounds like they they probably had some really good And the thing is, they made it in during the ice storm. Yeah, and that's, that's well. They the, walk. That was one thing good is you yeah. know you they walk. They're all within walking distance. So as long as you got some boots and a you know something good, over your good, face, you're yeah, good. A muffler Absolutely. and a hat, and you know, because it's it's been really cold. It's it did start warming up today though. It's almost up to fifty degrees. So yeah, the so ice is finally leaving. And then finally. at night it freezes over again, and yeah. then we have to wait in the morning for it to defrost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, on page three, we have a lovely article submitted from the mayors and JCC talking about how the JCC has helped this family, the Moraleses, and uh, and they're hoping other families will come and join and be part of the JCC. Well, we should point out that um, right now the um, Jewish and Israel Film Festival is going on right now. Uh, mainly it's online and it's also virtual, but it's happening right now. We're at, well, we should, the February, today is February 9th. Paper comes out tomorrow, the 10th. Um, and uh, it's it's ongoing, I think, uh, for another, I guess, maybe month or so. Right, and they can find the information on what's being shown on our community. Now, Richard, you've been part of our Jewish community as a Jewish communal uh, person. You're a volunteer now. You're here because we were intrigued with your volunteer role at the JCGC, mm-hmm. Jewish that Cemeteries just, that of Greater... That just came out, of, it flowed yeah. so well. <laughs> like, 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 like syrup. <laughs> yeah. I never get that quite straight. So you started out, though, you were at Duro Bag, correct? Right. That's what you took after... Nin- ju- 1983. Uh, the so Shore, the Shore, Charlie Shore, we all know Charlie. Yep. And... Uh, I was traveling. I was I I worked uh, for Eddie Gallup at the time, right? And I traveled extensively. My territory was the East Coast, and with all the national retailers, not grocery side, but the retailers. So they all got bags. I mean, exactly. They, they, yeah, yeah. Well, for me, since right, moving to Cincinnati, right. I always turn over every bag to see it's a Duro bag. Now I never did that before. It's a, I, it's a huge. Really huge company. I mean, you don't realize yeah. how big that company is. Correct. It's tremendous. Correct. And among other things, you also were at the Jewish Federation, and then I believe your last position was you were senior partnership manager at 
the Cincinnati Union Bethel, which I had to look up to see what that was. So actually it was, there was a, sh- a ship or something that was called the Union Bethel that oh. they opened up to help the, the soldiers. Sailors. 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 Civil War? No. Yeah. This, um, th- this is the oldest nonprofit in Cincinnati. Huh. So if you recall the Anna Louise Inn, right, that right, is right, under right. their umbrella. Uh, there are three different uh, pods to, to CUB, Cincinnati Union Bethel. Okay. Anna Louise Inn. Uh, they ha- they address the needs of those that have uh, been affected by human trafficking. Oh, wow. Uh, coupled with a great program called Scholar House, which addresses um, the needs of education for both mothers that are going back to school. Right, right. In order to complete their education while simultaneously while Having their kids, kids are going to school. Kids, yeah. Right. So it's a learning, it addresses... Um, Get them out of that cycle of poverty. Absolutely, and affordable yeah. housing. Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. Cool. I noticed. So it started out really yeah. as something for male sail, soldier, sailors, right. and now it's moved into helping women. It's predominantly a women's support agency. So back back in the early eighteen hundreds, when women were coming into the city, they didn't. They weren't just allowed to live on their own. Right. This is where at the Anna Louise Inn where they live. Now there was a big fight recently with Anna Louise Inn down. And so I think they finally settled that, didn't they? I think well, they got settled recently. Correct. That, that in itself is a long story. Yeah. So they have a beautiful facility now because I actually dropped off some things to them and during COVID. Yeah. You were talking about geo-mapping all the different headstones and the different graves and all that. Talk so, about, yeah, so start from the beginning. Yeah. Tell us exactly what you're doing sure. for them and how, it, how you fell into it. Right. Sure. So David Harris... And I used to sit next to one another at the Federation. And when uh, I was looking, because of the pandemic, I was looking for something. I was uh, fortunate that I could take a different look and see what I wanted to do going forward and how to volunteer. This opportunity said, listen, we've got uh, the need to geomap those. Every grave. Literally. Of the 25 uh, cemeteries. So how many graves are there Total, would you guess that right now? Well, to date, we've done about 1,300 or so graves. And it's not based on time. This is going to be an ongoing project. And it's outside, so it's all weather dependent, etc. So what it involves is going in front of the stone, taking a picture of it, identifying if the deceased was a veteran, a survivor, Mm -hmm. etc. And the actual coordinates then appear on the, your, uh, on my phone. Long, okay. Longitude and, that, and latitude. Correct. And then I move on to the next one. And you showed us how that all works. It was right. very cool. That's you showed us that there was a headstone that had a, a schmear on it, and they went and you wrote Clean it down, it. and the next thing you know is the company that makes the headstones was out there cleaning it up. Correct. Beautiful project. Yeah. Amazing what you're doing well, for us. Yeah. Also, so I want to add, so once you've got geo-coordinates for every grave and every headstone, mm-hmm. Then it's going to go, to, like our archives, Right. it's going to go into a master computer and you can pull up, you know, the name and it'll give you the exact, you know, it'll eventually give you the exact name, coordinates, blah, blah, headstone, where it's at, all that. And boom, it'll be right. And a picture of it. Yeah. And so picture people who it, are doing these, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. going back into their history, yeah. trying to find things and from their family. You actually mm-hmm. can go on now and you'll be able to. I oh, know right, they'll have the whole family. You could, you could link do that. Them up. You could link it all right, together, Right, because when too. I was researching yeah. some of my family, it would come up where the great, and they'll have pictures, and mm-hmm, this is what mm-hmm. you're doing for the families of Cincinnati. It's amazing. Yeah. 
that's going to go nation nationwide and worldwide. Well, there are I, I think it's there gonna, are cemeteries that do it yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. And frankly, it's it's a matter of um, auditing what's on hand mm-hmm. uh, versus what is showing it as an inventory. It's it's remarkable, it's and there's it's and there's be a huge yeah. So going back to the paper, on page six, there was an article you were really thrilled with. The Jewish activist is now on a Jeopardy winning streak. Yep. That caught your attention. Is she still on, or did that come to an end? She, uh, she came to an end. Uh, okay. Today's Thursday. She, uh, uh, Wednesday, she came uh, on Monday. She finished. Yeah. Okay. So her name is Emma Salzberg. Because that was actually one of my uh, secular uh, New Year's resolutions, and that is don't guess in Jeopardy. Because oh. if you guess, you lose. Are you playing Wordle? Everyone's, I play Wordle. Yeah. Are you yeah. playing Wordle, Ted? Uh, yeah. Stephanie I just was started. playing it last night, and I have no, uh, I don't I don't even know what it is. So Well, they have know. Judel now, too, which is Jewish words, but I tried that one. You have to really know your Yiddish and your Jewish words, because sure. it's all sort of transliterated words. Here's so on here. page seven, this Tennessee woman said that her child was in, <laughs> that they were having some non, you know, they were having some right. public school right. education right. on the Bible, and was supposed to be taught in a non-religious fashion, right. and I guess the teacher got up and said, if you want to know how to torture a Jew, right. say the name or spell the name of God out. And so that... Or the, I the, don't think that's really... I think this story is kind of blowing this up. Well, I think the it, mother came... Well, I think the point is, first of all, that the child came home and told the mother the story. The fact is that the teacher... Went, yeah. yeah, but the fact that the teacher said, you want to learn how to torture a Jew. Yeah. That yeah. was what. That's bad. That's but the bad really part. But it's really not a big deal because we don't say Hashem's. We don't say Hashem means the word, right? Um, or Adonai, or uh, you know anything else. Uh, we don't say the word any. We don't say. And I don't if you want to write it out, you can put the dash in it if you don't want to say it. But you know, you use people use the word all the time colloquially when they're just speaking, and it just comes out. But you know, it I just, don't really know if we even know the original word. Oh, well, that's that's a religious thing, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of using your words, right. the uh, former Washington team right, staffer, right, right. his name is Mitchell Gershman, must have called this woman Emily Applegate a shiksa. It's the best I can come up with. What you think? We th- we think we. It's possible. Well, she, he used a slur that right. described a non-Jewish woman that's in a condescending, yeah, in a condescending and right. racist and mis- you know misogynistic fashion. Uh, I, it's got to be the word chicks. There's really no reason to use that word anywhere. So speaking of using your words. So on page 10, there right. is um, Holocaust survivors up in arms over planned auction of na- Nazi memorabilia. So right, right. there is a gentleman by the name of Ial Benita who works for Pentagon Auctions, and he's trying to sell off some Nazi memorabilia. Okay. And people are very upset. They don't want anyone to make a profit off of these items, you know. And according to him, he said that the, the people that are selling them are on hard times. And, you know, if people are up in arms, then they should buy them and donate it to Yad Vashem. And he won't take any uh, profit so, off of it. But Well, so I used to go, like, uh, religiously to the uh, Burlington um, uh, auction, not the auction, but the Burlington um, down in Kentucky, the, uh, like, the antique, I don't mm-hmm. know if you were going down to, like, the antique Fair. Right. It's like every like, it's like every third Sunday. In, it's a uh, flea market. Flea market. Flea market. And you would see Nazi stuff down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would, I'd go to different, you know, stuff, uh, flea markets throughout the years, and you'd see Nazi stuff there. I never had any interest in it. I mean, if I saw it, I'd, I would buy it just so I could burn it. Right. Well, who know? wants but, it in their house? Right. And there's people, you'd have like a knife. 
or you could see there's sometimes you'll see like a gun, which is like a Ruger, you know, you, uh, uh, is it a Luger or a Ruger? I forget. Like it's a Luger. I mean, I, the only thing that I could see that someone would want this stuff, this memorabilia, Nazi stuff, would be like a museum. You know, to show this is, you know, in a museum. Well, okay, that's what, fine, you know, but, you but, could, but, but why really would someone want to keep that stuff and have it on hand at your house? Right. So the, I think the idea of them just buying it off this man and giving it to Yad Vashem so they can, you know, store it and not let anyone else. Well, in, they can see no it one should it. enjoy it. Yeah. I think the idea yeah, is right. not like to get any. put it behind a piece of glass. And say this is bad. Yeah. This is yeah. bad. Yeah. So you came, you went to American, you were telling yeah. us that you landed at 18 and yep. you went to American University, you graduated, and then you came to Cincinnati. So just before graduation, my dad is in the dentist chair in Johannesburg, and the dentist said to him, look, I've got a client who's got a business for sale, would you go over and run the business in Cincinnati? And fortunately, we all had green cards from an early age. So I was already here. I have two older sisters, and they were in... One was in London and Paris, uh, in France at the time. Mm. And so my folks moved to Cincinnati, and which was not the first choice for me. Yeah. Okay. I showed up here. I started working for a roofing company, and I sold a roof to Mel Schulman. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, and, uh, was Food that Specialties f- on Sunnybrook. I know, but that, that roof or the house? That, that roof. <laughs> I know. I, yeah, because my buddy Alan Shulman was his son. There's right. three. There's a uh, Stuart. Yeah, Stuart. Who Glenn. Ran, yeah, Glenn and, yeah. and and Alan. He was buddy. Me and buddies. Me and Bill Lazarus. We were like the three musketeers all through high school. So I sold the roof and put on the roof of their building. Right, you know, right, a, a right, part right, of a team. Right. Okay. So Mel and Stuart come out and they're shaking their head left and right. Like That's they a comp- Jewish guy like you doing up on a roof. Precisely. What are you? What are you? And what are you? What's we need you down here on ground level. And that's how I then got introduced to first uh, Mr. Shaw, Charlie's father. And then uh, at the time, they were just splitting off the company into a grocery bag, you know, from the grocery bag division and the shopping bag division. And I went in and worked first inside the plant for two years. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately my dream was to be out in sales. And, right, right. and I would, every week, would travel Monday through Friday to the East Coast from Boston oh down to D.C. with emphasis in New York. Yeah. And There's got to be so many companies that would buy these bags. Yeah, absolutely. You think of every... Retailer was based in in New York for the most part. You know, Saks, huh? M- Macy's. Oh, you made their like a Saks bag and a Macy's bag and that stuff. All uh, of Federated. I mean, uh, yeah. Okay. And because of bags, you met your Sarah. So Sarah was on a flight coming back uh, from Chicago, sitting next to Charlie. She didn't know who he was. <laughs> Charlie was in his thirties, uh, late twenties at the time. But he's wearing a three-piece suit and cowboy boots. So Sarah, <laughs> turned hey, it, it wasn't Purim. Is it? You got to be from Texas, and they learned that they live near one another, and so they started walking together. And after about six months, four, five, five, six months, uh, Charlie said, "There's this guy who works in the company. I'd like to introduce you to." So I show up, and on a blind date, and you know when you work for a manufacturer, you got a company car. At the time, it was a Chev. Caprice, one of these big caprices, coupled with the fact that I'd just come back from South Africa and my taste in fashion was 
much to be and desired. your accent had been perfected again a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I show up in this suit that had more polyester in it polyester. than you could ever imagine. I thought it was a really great suit. I will not even wear a polyester. <laughs> so I get out of the car, and Sarah had a room uh, with her roommate. She said, I can't go out with this guy. Look at him. <laughs> Looks uh, like a knucklehead. <laughs> he said, the roommate said, don't worry, you can always change the clothes. You need to send her a big thing of something, man, because she's the one that saved your bacon, buddy. She saved you from, we, the, from, uh, the, from the trash heap of history. Yeah. So uh, that's how we met on a blind date. I was still traveling, uh, you know, uh, for, uh, for the first two years before we got married, I was gone for oftentimes two weeks at a time and then would come back to Cincinnati mm-hmm. for some time. That's but When you're young like that, traveling to the East Coast, that's fun. It's great. It really is. It's, yeah. fun. it's a good, it's fun because you're different places. Absolutely. You're, you're having fun staying at, you know, it's like when you're older, it's like, eh, it's I don't a drag. Wanna, yeah, I don't know if yeah. I want to do that. Yeah. But when you're like in your 20s oh, and 30s, fine. that's like you're going to New York, you're Correct. staying in New York. Right. You know, that, that's, that's a lot of fun. So, yeah, 33 years ago. So, when you first came to Cincinnati, before you, you know, you, what did you think of Cincinnati the first time you, you got here? Great question. So, I was intrigued on how this, um, how, how Cincinnati worked at the time. Everyone was either related to one another yeah, or much, yeah. they knew one another from growing up. And it was yeah. not that accepting right. of. Cincinnati, newcomers, Cincinnatians, newcomers. Yeah. right, right, and right. You have to prove you have to prove yourself. A I was bit. one of the first white Africans that many people had ever met. Okay, so I, but at the time there was a Fabergé commercial for Brut, and the commercial went and so on and so on. And I just realized, I looked at it like a game. This one was related to this one, yeah. and that's how I started meeting people. And I also met them because I figured the only way to get involved is to become part of the community right. and to join big bro- I was a big brother for umpteen years, yeah, uh, yeah. 15 years. Um, I joined a shul. I, yeah, that's how, that's got how I got ingrained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And now stuff. you're ingrained. Yeah. Now uh, we can't get rid of the now, guy. Now I call it Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, when I first met Barry, I couldn't understand his accent. I said to him, uh, before you can come up, I have to give your doorman, my doorman the exact spelling of your name. So if you could slowly, because <laughs> all I could hear was Baybrook. And, you know, and I said, so you could, could you spell your name slowly? The southern accent got me. It was really hard you to understand. You don't have a southern accent Yes, you here. do. You guys have a southern accent. My kids uh, have a southern accent. What? Yeah. Yeah. Please? Yeah, please. Please. <laughs> please. <laughs> So, compared to bar mitzvahs in Cincinnati, what was your bar mitzvah like in South Africa? It was, um, first off, we had a kiddish luncheon at at the house after after shul. Mm. But the party was phenomenal because it was in our garage, okay? And we had a friend of mine who, we had a mirror ball at the time hanging from the garage, and he had a flashlight, and he was flashing (laughs) the light on and off on the mirror ball. And so it was a lot of fun. And even though many of my friends came, those in South Africa, if you certainly in Johannesburg, if you learned that there was a party going on that Saturday night, 
everybody showed up. That's how it is in Israel. Yeah, yeah. no invitations. No, in, and so it was, it was, it was great. It was fun. Yeah. So this issue is actually our insurance issue, yep, yep. and one of the things you learn on page fourteen is that your health is more dependent on where you're living in your financial uh, circumstances mm. than anything else because where you're living and your financial circumstances really affect what kind of food you can get huh. and whether or not you can eat healthy, fresh things. Because as we know, the, the wor- things that are worse for you usually are less money, the processed food. And as we also know, there's not a lot of food food deserts yeah. in urban areas. Right. So this is something to read up about with our, our newspapers. So, I mean, there's but I also like to see that Ken Heldman <laughs> is advertising on the se- ne- right next to the article. Does he eat well, do you think? He does. Healthy? He's a good man. He was Sarah's first boyfriend. Okay. From first grade. And so where's we're best Sarah friend- from? Born in... in um, uh, Wyoming? No, 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 no. no, no. Um, North Avondale? No, in Minneapolis. Okay. Uh, actually, St. Paul. And her father moved... He, uh, folks moved here at a very... Uh, when she was in... She was two or three. She's right. the eldest of five kids. Oh. And the only one living in town... Her dad used to work for the Paul Company, okay. ran the uh, Queen City Barrel, oh. and her mom, uh, when uh, when Bob Marver passed away, her mom then worked at HUC okay. for Gottschalk oh. as a uh, uh, as an assistant. Okay, I'm. Uh, well, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. I want to say something, and that is, uh, in the insurance issue, you know, you have home insurance, and mm-hmm. you have car insurance, and you have business insurance, you have to have business insurance, and you have, uh, you know, well, definitely health insurance is a major one, but a lot of the people that are in this week can help you with all those different um, questions, and uh, to please give them a call and uh, talk talk to them about your insurance needs. So on page 16, we've got a, a n- couple of nice spreads. We've got the Thanksgiving Mitzvah, Women's Philanthropy of Jewish Federation of Cincinnati. Crystal Nach commemorated, as well as a portrait of Jewish Cincinnati. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people are masked, so you're not going to be able to tell who they are. I think in the future, when we take pictures, we should ask everyone to take their masks down. It's difficult to do that. You're, you're right, uh, but it is difficult to do that. Um, I can I notice a few people that I kind of think I recognize. But Only the second. You know, you look at the second photograph. You got Jim Friedman, Meredith, and and uh, Jonathan. Um, oh right, 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 right. That's uh, that's the dean. Yep. I think Dean Hecht. Jonathan, Doctor Jonathan. Oh, is it Hecht. John? Is it Hecht or Renfield? Hecht. That, that's Hecht. Hecht. Okay. Yep. On page uh, nineteen, you know, Rabbi Shlomo Riskin never seems to uh, shock any of us, but today he um, has made a p- <laughs> quite the political statement. Okay. So the article is about the difference between prophets. And the Kohanes, right. and right. you know whether you have a special garment or whether your actions are your special garment. Right. And then he goes on um, the second to last paragraph. He talks about thus, and especially during these times, last decades, the chief rabbinate in Israel has majored in the priesthood, but is sadly lacking in a prophetic dimension. Okay. Um, and then he said the last time this happened was when the Holy Temple was destroyed. And what he's actually talking about is the fact that the chief rabbis in Israel make a lot of the decisions. And so his beef with this is that we have to remember that the Zionists that started Israel were pretty much secular Jews. They were survivors, most of them. They were pioneers. 
a lot of young people, and religion wasn't the center and foremost, but being Jewish was, right. but actually following halacha wasn't. And what he's saying here is we've got to remember that we need to keep Israel open for all Jews and not just one segment of the Jewish population. And, you know, we've already had, Ted and I have already had this, a little bit of shouting right. across right. the table about this. Go at it. And, um, but I think that you have to make your own opinion, but, but what he does is he weaves the story, the Parsha of the right. Week, down into this little political statement. And he, he never shocks us. He's had some really good statements in he, here. He speaks his mind. Um, I agree with you that, you know, we're not going to always just always agree on everything. And uh, what the rabbi is also talking about is, you know, do you stand for, you know, how you look or what you do? You right. know, and your actions speak a lot louder. Don't listen from a commentaries. You know, don't listen to what people say. Watch what they do, right? And and how they act, and what kind of sadaka they do, and how they serve the community, and um, what they do with their free time. Right. Correct. You so, know. Richard, you seem to be very involved in in Jewish life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, what synagogue do you and Sarah belong to? So, uh, I joined uh, um, Ohav Shalom many many years ago, and which later became Eitz uh, Chaim. And at the same time, most recently, in the last three years, um, have joined uh, Sharei Torah. Okay, well. where Ted goes a lot. Well, I'm glad to hear you remember of Sharei Torah. That's, sure. a, that's it's a fine, sure. fine place. You know, and, and that leads uh, me to the next point, that in South Africa, and I'm, uh, obviously I'm generalization, uh, generalizing, right. but many of the Jews are orthodox, that didn't necessarily mean they practiced orthodoxy. Very Zionistic. Right. And it, um, they didn't necessarily, weren't Shoma Shabbos. But that's the shul you would go to. There was the con they were also uh, uh, conservative, okay. which was known as reform, but it was mostly conservative practice. Huh. And I just also want to share that to give you some insight into the South African jury, there's a there's an eight-part uh, uh, series called Legends and Legacies and explains the whole history of the South African Jewish community. It's on YouTube, and it explains about emigration from those that were from Eastern Europe to immigration today when, after the 1976 Soweto riots, how there was the extensive um, migration. Yeah. Of uh -huh. Jews around the world, people right. left to yeah. English-speaking yeah. countries. Right. So, um, how did your family end up in South Africa? So, on my paternal side, um, from Riga, Latvia, uh -huh. and um, uh, on they, uh, I'm third generation uh, South African. South African. Um, I've actually made the trip to Riga and mm. to. Uh, to other parts in Russia th huh. through trips with the, uh, the joint, uh, joint distribution committee. <laughs> so two years ago, I was in uh, St. Petersburg. I was mm. in Siberia. It was cool. tremendous. So that was the biggest shock, too. if you will, with me coming to Cincinnati. Right. And I'd never heard of a German, not heard of, but you know, German Jews and Eastern European Jews right. are quite different. And right, that right. in itself was a bit of an a culture shock. So there was two two uh, uh, country clubs. Correct. Well, Santaville was like the German Jews. Right. And then... Um, uh, Crest Hills. It was like more of the Eastern European Jews. Exactly. And that's 
the other yeah. side of the story that people really didn't talk about. Correct. The and other I, thing is, I didn't I, feel that in Chicago either. I didn't think that there was a divide till I so, got here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, and also, I remember uh, Hazel Bolnick mm-hmm. and her husband. Correct. I forget his he, name. He was a butcher. He was a butcher, and he right. had that that place up on Ridge, and Correct. I used to go visit him and, and get stuff from Correct. him. Uh, and so, with my dad having been in the meat industry, yep. they knew one another. Yeah. But um, so. He was a nice guy. Very nice fellow. Yeah, very nice man. Yeah. All right. Moving on, folks. Well, we're on our favorite page now, page 20 from the pages. And you're going to start with the bicentennial. Remember, anything you see in the American Israelite that is purple is from our bicentennial. There's only one. I think this is the only one this week because we needed to do more of them. So we'll do them next week. All right. So each week, the American Israelite will print one milestone related to the history of the Cincinnati Jewish community of of the last 200 years provided by the Cincinnati... Jewish Cincinnati Bicentennial Committee. Each milestone weaves Jewish history within the greater context of our community's development and our country at large. 1888, Dove Bear Manischewitz, a Lithuanian-born rabbi and businessman, launches the Manischewitz Company, which started as a small matzah bakery in the basement of his home in Cincinnati. By the early 20th century, so 1900, which is about 12 years later, they were shipping mass-produced kosher products throughout the world. Yep. In 12 years. So let me also just interject briefly that um, at the end of last year, I actually delivered a paper uh, to the board, the literary club that meets at Lasanneville, on the subject of Kedem versus Manashevitz. And I learned... Just a tremendous amount. And here I had to deliver a half an hour paper and through Rabbi Drew Kaplan and through Rick Fox, who is um, in Philadelphia, they were also key sources to introduce me to to some of these family members. Fascinating. Yeah, we actually had an interview through the phone with one of the last remaining Manischewitzes that still mm-hmm. carries the name mm-hmm. because most of the men, there hasn't been a lot of men through Manischewitz. Yeah. And as we all know, and we mention this all the time, Manischewitz was not his name when he got off the boat. We don't, no one seems we don't know to, what yeah. the original name And I was. didn't know, at, when I first arrived, you know, we used to use the term in South Africa, man or Manischewitz. Yeah, and that yeah. came from the Ab- commercial. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea what it meant because... Manischewitz wasn't in South Africa. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't? No. 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 Hmm. Huh, that's interesting to know. Yeah. All right. You want to do, what do you want to do? Well, 125 years ago in the ladies' column, it's talking <laughs> about using cranberries. Right. Um, and the reason was is there had been, a tr- according to our editor, our wonderful editor, Carol Hersenson, there had been a change in the way they were able to cultivate cranberries, and it brought a burst of cranberries all over the world, and so it became something new to cook with. You know, most of us concentrate our cranberries in November for Thanksgiving because that was something that we knew that the pilgrims used and picked. Um, I like to put cranberries in my sourdough bread. And craisins are cranberries that have dried up, and a lot of people use those now in salad, and they're just delicious. Um, going forth, 50 right. years ago, we have... Well, wait, wait, I, got, uh, I want to do 75 years ago. Okay. So 75 years ago, Dr. Benjamin, Benjamin Spock of New York, the psychiatrist and pediatrician who is coming to Cincinnati for the American Orthopsychiatric Association meeting, has consented to give a talk to parents and teachers Tuesday, February 18th at 8.15 p.m. at the Mayfair, Mayfair Theater on the emotional development of the school-aged child. The 
Cincinnati Council of PTA is a sponsor. Editor's note, Dr. Benjamin McLean Spock, um, 1903 to 1998, wrote Baby and Child Care, first published in 1946, An Influential Guide to Raising Children. That's from February 6, 1947. And that was the guide a lot of our parents Dr. used to. Spock. Yeah, but now we know it's not a guide that the new parents are using. Mm-hmm. Um, so 50 years right. ago, we have a lot of weddings and bar mitzvahs and births. Uh, 50 years ago, Mr. and Mrs. Mike Leibowitz announced the bar mitzvah of their son, Ned Lee Leibowitz, on Saturday, February 19, at 9 a.m. at Added Israel Synagogue. Relatives and friends are cordially invited to worship with the family and attend the Kiddish following bum, the bum, services. Bum. Wait a minute. Hold on. Ted's a kiddish uh, hopper. Yes, I definitely am. And it's sad to report that may Ned's memory be for a blessing. He passed away, I think, was it last August? Correct. Yes. Okay. And he was he was uh, he was a friend of mine, and so uh, I'm kind of getting a little verklempt now talking about it. So, so 25 years ago, this is right up your alley. Uh, Richard mm-hmm. Millard H. Mack was uh-huh. elected board president of the United Jewish Cemeteries at a recent meeting. He succeeds <laughs> Lewis Ullman. Yep. So editors note, United Jewish Cemeteries, founded in 1862, was a partnership between Wise and Rockdale Temple that oversaw and maintained the reformed cemeteries in Cincinnati. In 2008, Jewish Cemeteries of Greater Cincinnati, which is uh, pan-denominational. Pan what does it, that mean? That means that every every there Jew. is there's no, no, right. no denomination. Right. Uh, it covers all. Pan means all. Okay. And community-wide was founded in, to administer the Jewish cemeteries in the Cincinnati area. Okay. Right. So pretty cool. And, that, and, and that, at that time, my mom was still working for the cemetery. United Jewish Cemeteries. Okay. Okay. So Dr. and Mrs. Alan Robinson announced the engagement of their daughter, Julie. So if anyone knows, that's the pediatrician, Dr. Robinson, that a lot of us used for our children. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, Julie worked with Pam Sakes. Did she? Yeah, she worked at, uh, you know, with the uh, Marison Foundation when that was Julie Robinson. Oh, wow. Yes, Wonderful. Yes, yes, Well, she tell them the rest of, tell the rest of the story. Well, she so she married Scott Ruskin, right. son of Susan and George Tremkamp of Cincinnati, and Dr. Robert and Beth Ruskin of Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Now, below that, we have David Weiner, son of Alan and Linda Weiner, and a graduating senior at Walnut Hill School. High school has been named one of the approximately 2,600 candidates in the 1997 Presidential Scholars Program. Huh. Weiner is a straight-A honor roll student, a national merit, final, merit finalist, and a recipient of the Harvard Prize Book for combining excellence in scholarship with achievement in other fields. Hmm. He scored a perfect score, and I remember this, of 1,600 wow. hmm. on the SATs. And he is now rabbi at Kness Israel in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Do you think he learned his... Uh, Pasha with his dad on a doing it on a cassette tape. Probably, <laughs> but <laughs> or you skipped over. You, yeah, sca- yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. definitely skipped over. Um, you know the Raffalo oh, and Kaufman. Tell, yeah. yeah. So Sarah Raffalo, who works side by side with David uh, Weil, um, and her husband Fred, uh, still living in, here in Cincinnati, uh, and I get to see them quite a bit. So then we also have Rockdale Academy's fifth grade. So now Rockdale, Rockworn Academy, so it's no longer Yavna by 10 years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Fifth grade students are very much engaged with the Jewish National Fund project to replant trees that were lost in Carmel Israel fires. Remember all those fires? Uh, the student volunteers to stand at the JNF 
table at the entrance of the school every morning. They visit classes and remind everyone of the importance of trees. And they are also busy asking for donations from friends and family. So in today in Israel history, right, now we know right. the Olympics are going on. Right. And Jason Brown, the ice skater I want everyone to know, is from my hometown, Highland Park, Illinois. Okay. And doing very well. He placed six. He got his highest score the other night. He did beautifully. And he will be uh, dancing, ice dancing or ice skating to a Holocaust song from Schindler's List coming up. Really? So that should be intense. Um, but today and, and next week, I think we'll have more news of well, the we Olympics. To, right. We'll and, get and, that list. Right. We're working on that. We want to know the Jewish athletes, besides Israel, right. that are in There's a lot of hockey ones, a lot of hockey players. Jewish hockey players? Yeah, a lot of Jewish hockey players. So now I would worry about their teeth, you know, if they play hockey. You well, know, they you not, know. yeah, they wear those things. Mouth guards. You've got to wear a mouth guard because uh, you could lose some teeth there and someone, like, punches you or something. So we're, f- we're working on the list of all Jewish athletes in the Winter Olympics in Beijing right now. Right. And today in Israeli history, on February 12th, 1994, Israel had its first Olympic um, Olympian, and that was the Winter Olympics with skater Michael Misha Schmerkin, okay. who competed in Lillehammer, Norway. And then, of course, we have Dining Out on page 22. Yes, yes we do. And everybody's going to want to turn to that page. So I know I bought the T-shirts and I bought the bagels, and I'm going to bring them with me when I'm out of town. But uh, it, So... It's this little side note. If you look to your to your right and you look straight ahead, yep. <laughs> up on the wall at the office is the Cincinnati Bagel Bengal Bagel shirt up on the wall. Very cool. Well, we should all be wearing one of those at one point. I think the second edition should be of a softer cotton material, <laughs> as you might as you passed on. You know those notes earlier. <laughs> but again, what does an Englishman know about? T-shirts. T-shirts. Right. So, we know you like to dress sharp. Yeah. We know you like big, fancy cars. <laughs> we know now that you play tennis. So, what else do you do in your spare time? And uh, where have you traveled to other than uh, when you were with, the, you know, the joint distribution? Well, when I traveled to yeah. the joint, I, I'm very lucky. You know, when, as I mentioned, we had a green card from an early age, which meant that I had to come to the U.S. Huh. on an annual basis to maintain that. I was still living in South Africa. You couldn't fly directly from South Africa here to the U.S. because apartheid was still in place and so airspace was protected. Mm. So fortunately, I've traveled extensively through Europe. Um, the, the trips to the uh, with the joint and so, uh, been great. I've traveled somewhat through Africa, but I now have every reason more to do, uh, you know, uh, yeah. to go back. Um, with my sister being in Israel, I've been to Israel several times. I, I think it's so important to be well-traveled and to expand your horizons and to learn of other cultures and to physically see what goes on around the world. Kick mm-hmm. it, touch it, smell it, and really get a feel for life outside of Cincinnati. So in, in Cincinnati, what's your favorite Jewish food that you've eaten in Cincinnati that you never eat anywhere else? Besides Charland? <laughs> <laughs> The man likes Cholent. Yeah, yeah. Um, His pronunciation is a little different than ours. Cholent. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cholent. Do they have bagels in South Africa? They don't have delis. So um, I grew up with pizza, which is, you know, an Eastern European dish 
It's mm. like a gelatin. Yeah, it's a I fish. Lo- is I there loved fish it. in there too, or something? Uh, you know, uh, uh, herring, uh, uh, pickled herring, kichel. Kichels, I love. Kichels. Oh my gosh! The uh, my mother was a was a phenomenal cook. My dad actually had a deli in South Africa and as a partnership for a for a while, mm. um, and so it, it, it's similar tastes. Yeah. So right. speaking of s- since right, um, right, right. Jewish food, we have this week Foodie Fun Kosher, right, right, right. and she's written a great article about Super Bowl shemirs, and she has a a, a a thing that she practices. If the Cincinnati Bagels are not in the Super Bowl, then she'll have a bigger party. But if the Cincinnati Bagels are in the Super Bowl, she only wants she wants to concentrate on the game and only have a few people over, and she's going to make these schmears. I'm going to try and make this white bean schmear. It sounds absolutely delicious, and I'm going to put it on my Cincinnati hot bagels, black and white bagels. I'm there's also going to. There's ma- only one left. You're going to okay. have to get some more. Well, I'm going to. I ordered some to pick up before I go to <laughs> okay, Arizona, okay, and then okay. also, also, I'm going to make Cincinnati chili vegetarian because um, I have a little kitchen in Arizona, so I'm all mm-hmm, set up mm-hmm. for that. But. Where are you guys going to go for the Super Bowl? Well, I know a bunch of parties, but I don't want to, you know, COVID it up because, you know, I got I got the COVID police here. Um, <laughs> That's me. Yeah, and uh, I am going to be breaking uh, protocol and, you know, going to the sh- you know. We'll discuss that later. Oh, goodness. And, and you, Richard, what are you so and Sarah I'm gonna doing? So I'm going to be home. Uh, Sarah can't travel, get out much uh, currently. And so I'm going to be at home for uh, with her for a while, but also I'm going to sneak out and go to the Schmirlers for... Uh, they live across the street from me. Yeah. Nice. And so uh, Jean called up and said, come on over. I said, I might... Second I, half. Yeah. And uh, ironically, I met them on a trip to Arizona oh, that's about funny. three years ago. They're wonderful new neighbors. Lovely. We're having a good time with them. We're having a really good time with them. Super. All right. Advice column. So advice, Dr. Ruth Nemzoff is talking about, you know, how you balance your Jewishness and your Americanness when right. when one needs you versus when the other needs you and where you should devote your energies. And, of course, good as question. always, she balances it right out. Well, it's a good question. Are you an American Jew or are you just an American or are you a Jew? I mean, Jewish American, right? Jewish American. Yeah, it's, got, it's a good question. All right. On um, our, our obituary page, we know now that Esther Pollard, who was the sec- second wife of Jonathan Pollard, who his first one was Anne, she also got arrested when he got arrested, has uh, succumbed to breast cancer, as well as uh, Ted's very excited that Todd Glinton, Get, Gitlin. Who you, Gitlin, 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 um, who used to be very far on the left, has yes. now become a critic of the left. So yeah, he's, Ted he's, likes he's, people who turn. Yeah, he's <laughs> he has seen the light. He has seen the light. That's where I was going with that one. <laughs> Me too. All right, so we have to do death notices. It, it um, was a tough week for all of it us. Really was. Um, it's been tough. So. so we'll begin with Phyllis Gloria Fine. Ni Shulman, age 94, February 6, 2022, the 6th of Adar, 5782, and she was the mother of, Mi- of Dr. Mindy Hasty. Okay, and she was also the sister of Mel Shulman. Correct. That was uh-huh. her brother. Right. And, and we uh, should be and, having and a so big... And, and Zell Shulman would be her mishpoka. That's absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah. And right. actually, her son-in-law stopped in yesterday to talk to us about he, his he, obituary. He did. We got... That's all taken care of. So He's one that told It'll us... It'll be in next week. ...that the phones weren't working. Okay. So, uh, Frank Joel Hershenson, age 78, February 5th, 2022... 
four Adar 57, and it's Adar 1. This is Adar, Adar 1. Okay. Uh, four Adar 1 5782. And this one is especially oh. dear to us. Uh, Sandy Richards, Nee Finkel, age right. 83, February 4th, 2022. Um, the third of Adar 5782. And as you know, she is the mother of our Joan Rivers, Pam Richard Sakes. Right. Uh, Sonny Sakes' wife. All right. So, and the last one is Ruth H. Spitz. I don't know her. I, I had to ask. Uh, I don't. I we don't know her, her maiden name. Should I forgot to ask that? So, age ninety-five, January 12, twenty twenty-two, eleven Shavat, fifty-seven eighty-two, and so she is the mother of uh, Greg Spitz, good friend of the family and the American Israelite, and his wife Pearl Spitz. Um, so may all of may their, all memories, their memories, be memories be for a blessing. blessing. Yep. And now Ted's going to tell us his joke of actually, the week. Actually, this joke is actually not that bad. Um, it's it's actually a pretty decent joke. You have to follow along, though. It's a long one. Are you ready? Here's the bad joke of the week. And this is from the Best of American Jewish Humor by Henry D. Spaulding. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. From the archives of the American Israelite, American Israelite, mm-hmm. we learn of a delightful little es- episode in the life of Gustav Poznanansky, Poznanansky, 1805-1897, which he lived to be 92, a widely known Hazan, 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 of his day, in all fairness to the cantor. However, it should be noted that this incident was before he embarked on his life's calling. Visiting a Louisiana town and being so far from home, Poznanansky gave way to a wild and sudden impulse to taste Forbidden food. Mm. Just this once, just this once, he assured himself, he entered a restaurant which, being near the Gulf, specialized in seafood. For Pozanansky, the two opening courses were in the nature of novelties. Nevertheless, he partook freely, partook freely of the crawfish gumbo and jambalaya creole. But when the waiter brought him an individual oyster patty containing one large Bayou Creek oyster. Enveloped in puff pastry, the Hazen's eyes widened. Gingerly, he touched the contents with his fork. Then, with an expression of mingled surprise and distress upon his face, he summoned the waiter who chanced to be passing by his table. What's the trouble, boss? inquired the waiter. Really, I'm not sure, said Pozanansky, his voice quavering from apprehension to downright outright disgust. But it would appear that something has crawled into my bun and expired. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait. Yeah, here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And now we have to now we have to end the show. So you know we have to, we have to leave now. Okay. All so, right. So Richard, now that you've been here for so many years in Cincinnati and. You're a reader of the Israelite. Do you have a yeah. favorite column in the Israelite that you catch every week that you always look forward to? I look very forward looking back. So I, 175, from 25, the yeah, from the pages, yeah. because that certainly brings a, um, a smile to my face, knowing and recalling past. And soon you'll probably start seeing your name because you've been here long enough that you at least have passed the 25-year mark. Exactly. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, as I said, 35. Right, so you're almost at the 50-year mark. There might be something there under the 50-year mark. As I said, when the kids were younger, I used to come home, and I'd say, how y'all doing? 
They had, they had <laughs> cut it out already. Okay. Hey, y'all do. So they've been trying to make a Cincinnati boy out of me, but look, okay, we're gonna keep trying out. Okay. You will be wearing orange and black this. Sunday. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I've actually got orange shoes. Okay, good. And good. Uh, got a, quick, a jersey. Got a jersey. I got t-shirts, and I'm sending them around the world now. I got to send some to Israel as soon as I'm done here to South Africa because they're following it all over. I that grew was up with Julie's uh, call to action. I think uh, you have to deliver bagels. Is that your is that your bat <laughs> signal to go deliver bagels? Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, so, uh, we want to just say. Mazel tov to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals on their appearance in the Super Bowl this Sunday. Uh, it's going to be winner, winner, lose, yeah. winner, lose. Yeah. Um, it's a heck, a heck of an accomplishment. And I know a number of people uh, going to the game. This I is going to be a, tons, tons of people too. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, it's going to be a great game. Huge, great game. So we want to thank everybody and uh, who day. Yeah. Who day? Uh, who day? Very humble winner. We want to be like celebrating next week and. Uh, um, hopefully we will. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, thank you all. Have a yeah. wonderful week. Thank you, Richard, for joining us. It's been a blast. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a real us? party. Ted, thank you for lunch, man. This was off the charts. You really, uh, really went anytime. all you out. Want to, anytime you want to come for lunch, okay. come for lunch. Okay. Okay. Thank you again. Cheers. Thank Shavua you. Tov. See you next week. And here go the Bengals. Bye-bye. Sounds the call.